Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Your Living Proof Podcast. We've got episode number 63 today, which wow. is crazy. You're talking with a little bit of an accent. Oh, which kind? I don't know. It's a different one today. I'm not used to this one. So I must be feeling a little lively about something. I just finished my monster energy. <laughs> you don't drink those. Well, just a quarter like, of the can. Eats kale and fruit and <laughs> yogurt. So yogurt. anyway, today, the episode, the topic we're talking about for today's episode is so good. It is so, so important. And it is. Yeah, don't hear it and turn away because it is. Yeah, it's, it, it's going to blow your mind. Is blame your drug of choice? Ooh. Blame. Okay, anyone in, anyone in addiction or knows someone who's been through or dealing with an addiction, when they get help, right, they go to a hospital, a behavioral health center, whatever, they ask them, what's your DOC? What's their DOC? And that stands for drug of choice. Yeah. They want to know, like, what's the thing, the main thing? A lot of it's for medical purposes. Like, are they going to... Are they going to go into a seizure? You know, like, because to me, I hate it. I'm like, I don't know everything, anything. What are they currently doing? But blame for family, whether you're the spouse, the parent, siblings, is often your DOC. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. And I can't wait to talk about that today. No, we're going to get into it. Well, before we do, really quick, I just want to remind anybody that's new to the podcast this podcast is for anyone who loves an addict. If you have someone in your life that is addicted to anything in any way, our podcast is truly for you. Yeah, it's for you. It's not for them. It's support for you. There's a lot of resources out there for them. Yep. So we believe anyway. wholeheartedly that the greatest threat to the world of addiction is a family who learns, empowers themselves how to effectively intervene and how to support them. Yes. So and to get healthy yourself along the way. Today's episode is going to be awesome it for is. you. If this is your first one, get ready. Hey, also, we have started a YouTube channel with our episodes that now have not only audio, but video. Yeah. So if you want to see us in real life, kind of. <laughs> I love looking at you, so I'm going to watch it myself. But yeah, we do our hair. You yeah. even put some makeup on yeah. today. Yeah. I got out of my gym clothes. I took my hair out of a bun and like I look like a professional. Yeah. And you might even see me twitching because I have twitches. Yeah. I have since I was little. My wife says they're endearing. They I think that's adorable. ridiculous. Okay, before we get into the topic, um, I have to share a cool story. Yeah, please do. It's about awesome. that lady who reached out. Yep. yep. So I, I did a little thing on Instagram recently about this, but someone from my past, 17 years ago, reached out. Now, those of you who know my story are aware that 17 years ago, things were really bad. My addiction of many years had come to a very destructive point. Now, 17 years later you're so far removed from when that happened that you actually kind of forget some of the details, right? Yeah. Well, you just kind of, you're yes, you do. And that's part of the process of changing and, and becoming a new person. So it's healthy, but you, you know, something was shared, someone reached out and it immediately took me right back to that yeah. place. I, and I'm just going to share it real quick. Um, hey, Danny, not sure if you remember me, she states her name. But we live next to you on the street that she lists. Um, at the time, my husband and I, with our two little kids, lived next to you. I remember how lost you were, how sick you looked. 
I remember the night the SWAT team had broken down your front door. You and your dog came to our house. Our kids loved on your dog and you slept on our couch. Anyway, before too long, you had moved on. And I always hoped that somehow you would have found your way and turned out safe and happy. Well, imagine my surprise when this account came across my Instagram a couple weeks ago and I saw you talking, alive, and happy with a beautiful family. She goes on to list a few things that have occurred in her life to bring to light this full circle. That they, at that time, their family was pretty much perfectly intact, doing great. And here I was at this terrible point. Yeah. I mean, for a little bit more disclosure, I lived in this sweet little Brady Bunch neighborhood. Everyone had perfectly manicured yards, little cute houses. Everybody was kind to one another. And the, there was a helicopter hovering over my house, SWAT team busting through my door, a whole team of tactical SWAT people with assault rifles going through my house. The neighbors were just like, what kind of riffraff lives next door? But this beautiful family reached out. You know, she did go on to share some struggles that have occurred to certain people in their life all these years later. And it's just, it, it came full circle. But it was just one of those experiences that reminded me of two things. Wow, it was that bad. Like, yeah. I've told the story, but I know her. I remember going in their house. I, I know that time and how dark it was. But it also just reminded me of the simple fact, which is why we continue to keep doing this. I could have never got out of that situation on my own. Right. I could have never. Yes, did I do a monumental amount of work? Yes, but I had an army of people behind me encouraging, supporting me, and knew how to hold me accountable. Right. That's why we keep doing this. That is exactly why we keep doing this. And here's the thing. The topic today, blame, it truly, truly does go hand in hand with that story because you'll you'll understand why by the end of this podcast because Danny's going to talk about it. But blame Blame is deadly, and I think that's such an understatement because it it literally paralyzes people or just just causes you to go into neutral. Um, blame, literally, it could be your drug of choice and you don't even realize it. So we want to talk about that and just realizing that a lot like the drugs that maybe your loved one is using, blame does a very similar thing for you, which is it actually relieves your pain. Yeah. It, it's like a temporary relief for you if you can use blame to suspend the situation for you for a minute, the situation that you're in with your loved one. Um, and here's the hard, hard thing about blame, which we're going to get really into in a sec, which is you could be right. Yeah, often you are. You could be right about what you are blaming this addiction on or what they are blaming yep. their addiction on. And that is exactly why it is so deadly. So um, we're going to talk more about that in the Living Proof program, um, which you can learn about like in, in our masterclass. If you go to our website, there are three blocks that prevent all families from effectively helping their loved one and they are denial, blame and stigma. Yeah. So, and blame, we, we have to get into blame because it is almost every family's drug of choice. Yes. But it's what you, 
It's what you resort to either in the beginning, the middle, or the end, or the entire process. Yeah, I, mean, I would say it's probably mostly the entire process. And I love what you said. <laughs> Often something or someone did contribute to the problem. Yeah. And you have right to be mad at them, angry with them. I, I could give you a list of examples of things that happen, right? It could be something that you did. It could be an, a tragic accident. It could be a really bad person of influence in their life at that time. It just keeps people stuck. Yeah. Blaming it on that thing. I, I have, it's blown my mind how many hundreds of times I've heard a mother, a father, a spouse get so infuriated with the situation of their loved one and they're fixated on finding that person they know that's giving them the drugs. Oh, sure. Yeah. And they, they want. Or the person that introduced them to yeah, the drug. But the ones that's given to them and they want to just destroy that person or cut that connection off. It's that it doesn't do anything right. to solve the problem. So don't feel bad. If you're blaming something and you're not quite sure, the purpose of this episode and every podcast and our entire platform is to help people continue to move forward, to get unstuck from all the things that addiction does to teach you exactly what it needs for you to stay put and stay out of its way. Yeah, and I love that because addiction requires blame to stay alive. Well, I blamed my... I blamed my drug and alcohol and pornography addiction on legitimate things. I did. I blamed yeah. it on legitimate things. And my family, they blamed things differently, but they did it right alongside me. Yeah. Why? Because that's so much easier. I want to give you an example. I wrote this down just because I get sidetracked and I tend to start going off on a tangent. But I want to give you an example of someone that I've worked with recently. So it's just not hearing my stories all the time. A recent client of mine was a mother trying to save her 34-year-old son, Chris, from the death grip of his addiction. The, the destruction surrounding Chris's life was similar to the path of a tornado at this point, right? Kind of like mine when yeah. you have a SWAT team raiding your house and you're sleeping on your neighbor's couch. He had loss of a career, loss of his home, a failing liver, dental infections, isolation, anger, homelessness. I could go on and on. If you just rewind a few years ago, none of these things were part of his story, right? Yeah. None of them, nor would he have ever dreamt that they would be. You see, this mother lost her husband five years ago. Chris lost his father and best friend. Of course, that tragedy took a toll on them. And not long after, his unstable marriage ended also. And it didn't take long for alcohol to become his very best friend. You've heard me say it before, but he found the solution. Yep. Problem is, it's just not one that will take you to any happy place. He found that solution for that desperate, terrible time that he was in. And it, while he was working, while he, sorry, while working with his mom and other relatives, it was easy to look back at the countless times there were red flags when he should have jumped when they should have jumped in from help, right? So the family's watching this whole destruction. Yeah. And there's many times where they there were red flags and they should have jumped in to help. For far too long, they resided in the fact that what? He had been through something extremely difficult. Yeah, his the life loss was of his hard. father and a divorce. I mean, that was some serious trauma. So I think a lot of them figured that the drinking and behavior would eventually stop. But you know what? For now, my gosh, like that poor thing has been through a lot. Yeah, right? it was justified. Many family members even admitted how bad they felt for him and didn't want him to hurt even more. 
so they didn't want to speak up or make things any worse than it already was. Over the next couple of months or the next couple of years, nothing improved. In fact, everything got worse. It always does. Yeah, shocker. It eventually unravels to a place that's unthinkable for anyone. So this beautiful man who not long ago enjoyed activities of being a dad, a father, a husband, and dreams of becoming, sorry, dreams of becoming a father, thriving at his career at that point, and he had nothing other than hopes and aspirations in life. He self-destructed in a way that people in his life could have never imagined. Now his life includes criminal charges, life-threatening medical issues, dental rot, financial ruin, and even a failed suicide attempt. Well, and see, do you see that where that blame is the problem? Because I, I can oh, see, I see it. it. I can see it. It's so powerful on both sides, right? Because I'm sure this Chris is telling himself, like, look, <laughs> you've been through something that it, two of the hardest experiences in life back to back, you know, you lose you lose a parent and then you lose a spouse through a divorce. For a period and of time, it was probably even justified. Like, yeah. That's you, what I mean. If anyone like, in the world should drink, you yeah, should. Yeah, like, go ahead. But at the exact same time, the family is using that as as their thing to hold on to, like blaming it on, well, you know, he has been through a lot, so it makes sense that he would be doing this, like excusing the behavior. Right there. So blame was used for the excuse that it started. But yeah. guess what? Years down the road, like I just described, when things unraveled, what was blame used for? The same thing. Yeah. Well, this happened that long ago. Yep. That's the thing. It excuses, it justifies, it explains the behavior away, right? Like it's what you use to just, you you would start the conversation like, yeah, he's really struggling right now, but it's because of this. There's a perfectly good reason why his behavior is so crazy. And I mean... It seems harsh to be pointing that out because, again, it, it's justified. He had a lot of loss, and that's really hard. But going back to what we said at the very beginning, even if you are right, mm. blame, using blame to justify or excuse their behavior is deadly. Well, it's contributing to the problem. Right. So their addiction gets to survive. Yes. And even often thrive in that space because you guys have something legit to blame it on and what you just said is that when you say you contributed to the problem yes it that's that's harsh it, it's it extremely is, but, harsh but it's true it is true and even if you're right even if the root issues are in fact like circumstances that you're blaming it on right it, it there's no excuse or explanation good enough to allow this to continue i mean you choose blame you just throw on your hands up yeah yes completely and I mean, there's no excuse good enough to explain or condone those those poor coping skills, right? Like, yeah. it's one thing to get drunk maybe one night, but for it to become your lifestyle in which it, you can't thrive in any uh, any area of your life, then this is a deadly problem, yeah. right? You this, know, before you go on to your next point, there's a thing of powerlessness. When you, when you blame something, even if it was legitimate, like just recently, like someone's daughter is in a, in a very bad place. This, this mom and dad, their daughter is just, she's going to die from alcoholism and other things. There was a legitimate 
trauma that experienced. A family member had raped and molested her right. at, at a young age. So again, totally justified. Totally justified. But when you blame it on that, all you do is become powerless to the actual situation. Correct. Because it's so easy to blame that thing. And, it, and again, you are right. Yeah. But when a person goes into any sort of program, when they enter a program of recovery, one of the first things they do is come to recognize that you are powerlessness. Mm-hmm. Right? You had to come to the realization that you were powerless. Yes. Right? That you have no more choice. That's like one of the very first steps in any program of recovery. They have to come to that point, but so do you. Right. You need to actually come to that point before first and before them because you will be the difference of them actually exiting this insanity or not. And I love that because that is literally why we exist. We exist to to make families take take their power back, like yeah. to, to give them the tools and the understanding of the, the situation so that they can take they can move from powerlessness to having their power restored so that they can actually do something for this person that's literally on on death's doorstep. So so there's two two key points here that that we want to talk about. One, addictions require blame to survive. It's oxygen. They have to have it. No one becomes addicted to any substance without something to blame it on. Think about that. No one becomes addicted to anything without something to blame it on. It keeps them trapped and it literally fuels the continued and increased use because mm. again, they can blame it on something. And here's here's just something super well, let me say what number 2 is and then I want to share a personal experience. Yeah. The the second key point is substance abuse or self-medicating will never allow someone to heal. So even if it's justified, their coping skill will never lead them to healing. So that's why it's a huge problem. Well, it doesn't, it won't allow the process to get started ever. No. And when they do start the process, if they're self-medicating with too many things and still depend on a chemical solution, they will, they may remain sober but they won't from recover. certain things, but they will never transcend and enter recovery, which is a transformation. Which, which is such a critical point because again, there is a huge difference between somebody who has gained some sobriety and someone who has recovered. Yeah, night and day difference. Massive, massive difference. One of them's temporary, and one of them becomes permanent. Right. So, so it's not a solution. Self-medicating in any way for any reason as as wonderful or great or as justified as that reason might be, it's not a solution. So, and I just want to, I want to share something just that happened in my life in this last month. You look really good, by the way. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Are you just trying to lure people over to the YouTube channel? No. Well, no. (laughs) I just. It's because we just did family pictures, guys. My brain stopped for just a second. And then I was like, wow. Oh, okay. You're like. So I know you're in the middle of sharing something. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I I do want to share something because this is, this is me. I am married to somebody who was an addict. I know this stuff. I, I live it. I breathe it. I live in this world. This is my second language and I still struggled with this. So somebody that I love very much 
um, struggled most of his most of his life with addiction. Okay, um, and he's gone in and out of times when he's recovered and truly like doing great with not just sobriety but recovery. Um, and recently he had an injury, and which caused him to be sucked down the pain pill path, and he 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 got taken down. And um, I was texting him and just pleading with him to please surrender and let us get him help. And his response was, it took, took me back because he literally was like, you know what? Everyone's just laughing at me now and they don't want me to succeed. And every, everyone that I thought was my friend is just like, they're not even reaching out to me. You're the only one that's reaching out to me. And everyone else was just a fake friend and they don't really care about me. And they're not really trying to help me. They just want, they just want to get me somewhere so that they can back me into a corner and make me feel bad about what a loser I am that I worked so hard and then I lost it all. And I mean, it was intense and it was going on and on and on. And I was like, Oh my gosh, no, that's not true. That's not true. And I just, I instantly went into this defensive mode of wanting to convince him like, no, that isn't true. We, we don't, we're, no one's laughing at you. We're, we're all for you. And I was telling Danny this and, and just, I, I wanted Danny to, to respond to him and be like, Hey bud, like we love you. And he was like, I won't respond to that because that's his blame. And I lived it. And that the problem is that was fueling his addiction. It gives him every excuse to take a hit of that, a drink of this, a snort of that. It is, it doesn't make sense to a person that's in their right mind. Right. right? It I don't didn't care make how messed up me. you are. If you if you are not held captive by an addiction to mind altering substances, you cannot understand. Yeah. And if you would have taken that person who's saying all this, and even just three weeks before or a month before. When they weren't consuming these poisons, they would have never had that thought. Right, right, and that's what's so, that's what's so frustrating. So that's why the, that is literally why we're here today talking about this is to help you understand because we know we know that the person that you love will always blame you. They they might blame something else too, but they will always blame oh, you. Here's a fact: the person trying the hardest, the person that's usually fighting the hardest to save them, mother, father, spouse is the person who's blamed the most. Yes. Without a doubt. Over the dumbest, craziest things. Uh, absolutely. I've, I've had 12 conversations or more in just the last week with spouses who are now blaming themselves and have gotten their, their self-esteem has fallen down. They, they've either gained weight or isolated themselves from family and friends because somehow they were manipulated into being the person that was responsible for this. Because they didn't do something or didn't know something or weren't able to give this person something. Isn't that crazy, though? And I I immediately got sucked in. And they buy it. Most people buy it. But that's what... The, so I think the, the key point here is they they need that in order to keep going. Yeah, they have to have it. They have to. So don't give it to them. Yeah. Let them go blame someone else and eventually it ends when there's nothing else to blame. So the question is, what if you're right? Yeah. We've said that a few times. What if the reason that your loved one's downfall in their situation is something legitimate caused by a horrific, tragic accident or maybe something you did? Yeah, even something you did. There, here's a few that I just wrote down. Death, neglect, abuse, being bullied, 
terrible accidents, learning disabilities, physical disabilities, sexual trauma, confusion, betrayal, not fitting in, not feeling loved. They're all legitimate sources of blame. Parents, we just had this conversation before for full transparency. The thing I'm struggling with my life right now the most is parenting. Yeah. My kids are at difficult ages. I feel like it's like I hate to use a baseball analogy, but I'm like, I'm batting 500. Like half the time I'm responding well and half the time I'm not. Yeah. Parenting is the hardest thing. It's Parenting is harder than overcoming a, a heroin addiction. That's it's, what it's we're all, learning. It's harder than overcoming the restaurants I ran for a decade. It's harder than anything. So parents are often guilty. They have in some way or another contributed to their loved one's situation. Most parents have done something along. Maybe you were too strict. Maybe you were you weren't around. Maybe you were too hard on them. I don't under I don't know, but maybe they were neglected when you started a family business. Or maybe you and your spouse went through a terrible divorce or a move like where they had to ch- that your child change had to change school and location. Again, I mentioned say maybe you were too hard on them when they were younger. Maybe you could have handled certain situations done, or maybe you should have saw that red flag. You could have, should have, would have. The brutal aspect of blame is you could be right. But we're talking about addiction, and it doesn't play by any sort of rules. It takes everyone prisoner. Yes. So even if you are right when it comes to addiction, you have to throw it out the window. Stop blaming whatever happened as an excuse to justify what's going on. Move past blame, and then guess what? Usually when you move past blame, you start looking at what needs to happen. Yeah. I get exactly. really intense about it. But it's but it's because it's 100% of the time, blame is a massive part of the equation. It, well, it's a double-edged sword, right? What happens? Yeah. I, I mean, it just paralyzes you. You just get stuck. We You just mentioned this person yeah. that we know and love. Yes. Blame is pulling them down the dark hole. Yes. But what does blame do for the other people? The one's not in addiction. Makes them feel terrible. Terrible. Angry at something else yeah. instead of getting serious and trying to get to the yes. root of the problem. Absolutely. It, when, if your loved one, I mentioned this earlier, but if your loved one enters a program or recovery, they're going to have to dissect and process through everything that they've blamed. Right? Because the goal is to have you look at yourself in the mirror and understand what hurts, what's wrong, what you can't process on your own. That's their work to do. But your work right now is to do what? Look at blame. What are you blaming it on? To do your own dissection of it. Like look and acknowledge it. You have to let it go. As soon as you let go of blame, you start looking at steps steps forward. Yeah. And it's really, it's so, so hard to do. It's so easy to say, but so hard to do because I understand that, that you, so many people feel like they're responsible for it. But the point is responsible or not, again, we're playing Russian roulette here with addiction, whatever, whatever took them there. It doesn't really matter at this point. No, let's say you went through a terrible divorce and you stayed with somebody you shouldn't have because they were just terrible. Right. All of your kids were most likely affected. Some of them, maybe it manifested in other poor relationships or I don't know, like they go and get a bunch of tattoos and they live a crazy life. None of these situations are easy to deal with. But when we are talking about addiction, which I still to this day to just simplify it and take all the clinical and medical terms away, 
the poisons that they consume literally rewire their brain. They yeah. are stuck. You thinking that somehow you're going to reason with or one day you're going to say the right thing and get through to them or there's some magical change of circumstance or situation that's going to change. It doesn't. That's why addiction sucks. Well, and you know what? When you're saying that, I'm thinking about ketamine for some reason. And I'm thinking about how interesting it is that that's kind of a new channel that people go to when they're like, okay, we know this happened and now we need to do this ketamine therapy. And I'm like, again, you're just looking for a chemical solution. solution. The amount of people that use those things the proper way under, under the proper care and supervision with an actual plan in place of the natural remedies that have to happen. Yes. Like all the, all the, all the steps is it's very little. Yes. So what it does is it gives people temporary relief. It, it just continues again, to train the brain. That's, Yes, one of the major points that we started off with is it gives you this temporary relief. You blame it on this, so we're going to so our solution is this little quick fix, this ketamine therapy, we're going to do this and and it actually doesn't allow the person to actually process through their trauma and start to heal. Yeah, so this topic and a few of the others that are really important like denial and stigma I know they're topics that it's just like it's like nails on a chalkboard. Who the hell wants to sit and talk about those things? Nobody. But these things will change you in this situation that's consumed you. It, you. You think about it morning, day and night. It's affecting your relationship with your own family, your own spouse. Like it, you are now becoming sick as well because your loved ones held captive by addiction. Learning these couple of things changes everything because it changes you. Yeah, I think that's what's so, so, so amazing about it is is the fact that once you you can wrap your head around it. Everything changes, even though nothing changed. The circumstance is still exactly the same. But when you take your power back, instead of constantly living in the state of powerlessness, everything shifts. Yeah. When you start getting tactical is what I call it. You're making a path and a plan to move forward. Even if they're not ready to join you in that path or that journey yet. You are. You're ready, which sets you free from operating from fear and, and doubt and uh, questioning everything. Yes. Right? That's the point. We, It's a big one. We're glad you guys stayed with us through that. I know you like to end with the serenity prayer well, for families. I want to start with, I want to end with two things. One, if any of this like hit you and you're like, ooh, this is kind of speaking to me, go to our website and watch our masterclass. Because By the way, it's master awesome. class. Sometimes people are like, "What the heck's a master class?" Yeah, it's just a free class. <laughs> it's it's like an expensive production where we took time to compile all the information and present it in a way that's nice. Yes, for people, anyone that loves an addict, it's literally it's it's for any person that has a relationship with an addict. In it's any the way. answers you've been looking for about yeah. how you can help the situation. Yes, but. Uh, before we go, we are gonna I, we are gonna say the serenity prayer for families because this is truly what we are all about, and it is God grant me the serenity to accept that I cannot change other people, hmm. the courage to change the person that I can, and the wisdom to know that it is me. Thanks for joining, you guys.